channel open. Welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on February 1st, 2019, and is current through the Star Trek Discovery Season 2 episode, Point of Light, so beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a 30-minute news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek, with four television shows in production, rumors of more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. And I think it just got a little bigger this week. So stick with me, and I'll help you sort the real facts from a lot of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But as you know, I can't do this alone, and my guest this week is the co-host of the excellent Snap Trek podcast, Jen Tift. Jen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you guys just did a comparison of cause and effect and magic to make the sanest man go mad. What's the uh, what's the next episode? The next episode coming out is going to be E squared versus children of time. Oh, so we're getting some Enterprise and Deep Space Nine action going. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh, descendants of the crew. Yes. Two very, very different takes on uh, <laughs> meeting your own descendants. <laughs> but that somehow seem to have the same resolution. You know, I think that's really the only way to, to resolve a timeline like that is to have it collapse, right? <laughs> it's interesting to see how the descendants of the different crews accept their fate or, or not. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, one set focuses on that and the other one just doesn't even care (laughs) you know if they you know pop out of existence (laughs) so it's interesting interesting compare i'm very much looking forward to it all right so i ask the guests this every week but tell me something that's making you feel uh really good about star trek at the moment what's got you moving at walk 10 okay well my my answer to this was going to be completely different until i saw last night's episode of discovery and okay the promo for next week's episode and who did we see but my girl number one That's right, we did. <laughs> so that has to be my answer because I, you know, number one's a character that I have had many questions and a fondness for since I, you know, was was a little girl. So I am extremely over the moon to be able to see the disco spin on that character. So I've been waiting for her. So, <laughs> so I'm super excited for that. There have been a few interpretations of the character uh, most recently, they sort of have provided a, a backstory for her in the books. First of all, have you read them? Are you a fan of that? I have not. I am new to reading Trek books. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have a whole world of <laughs> of Trek books ahead of me. Uh, I, I tried to stay away from that for a while just because I, I didn't want it to mess with what I knew about the characters, you know what I mean, in my head, and, and then try to, you know, what was actually, you know, I hate to say, use the word canon, <laughs> you know, but what, what was like an, what would actually was on screen and what, you know, was in a novel. And it, so, so I still don't read the, uh, the Discovery novels because I don't want to know anything more about them until we're, I'm finished hearing the story that they're giving me on air, you know. Uh-huh. But, but now I'm going back and, and, and going through and, and reading, uh, you know, Next Gen and Deep Space Nine books. So I'll ha- I'm going to have to add that to my long list of <laughs> books featuring number one. <laughs> 
And it is a long list. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> Which is great. And actually, so my thing this week that I'm feeling really good about is actually a moment from the end of last night's episode speaking of the books, in which it felt like we got a reference to the Star Trek novels. There is a moment on the Section 31 ship when Leland's character mentions Control, who it's implied is the sort of leadership structure for Section 31 as an organization, which is also a name for Section 31's leadership that was used by David Mack in the Section 31 novels. Oh. He posted on the Trek BBS today that he that this was not a reference to the book, but until proven otherwise, I'm going to believe it because the novel Section 31 Control and Jen, you'll probably get around to reading it in like 10 to 15 years. <laughs> right. But that book is actually my favorite of all of the Star Trek novels. It is a really meaty and deeply challenging novel to the whole underpinnings of the Star Trek franchise. And as a result of that is a perfect Deep Space Nine novel in every single way. And if there are elements from that book that they choose to adapt for the screen, it will be an extremely bold choice that I think will kick off a ton of debate. But I would be super excited to see. Yeah, you know, I'll probably wait until Discovery's finished that before if they're if they're going to take elements from that because I want to be surprised. But that can't be a coincidence that they, you know, he's saying it, it wasn't a reference to it, but control if control is the name of it and that's the wording they use that cannot be a coincidence it cannot be yeah i refuse to believe that it's a coincidence but i you know i, I didn't have that background but i found it very interesting that he was talking about the higher-ups in section 31 because I, I i thought Ooh, that that's that's a really interesting you know idea i hope they expand more on that because i'm a, i'm very interested in section 31 so I'm, I'm very excited that that's featuring heavily here and getting their own show my goodness <laughs> We live in a golden age. We truly live in a golden age. An embarrassment of riches. An embarrassment of riches. <laughs> All right, with that, let's turn to the week's top stories. There's a war going on, and I'm a reporter. So we had some news this week, first of all, on the Patrick Stewart Picard show, which remains as yet untitled. But Patrick Stewart is doing publicity for the movie that he's starring in that's out at the moment. And a few of the news outlets have asked him about the Picard show. And one of the discussions he had with Yahoo Entertainment, uh, he was talking about how the Picard show is being set up as a 10-hour movie, uh, which is not a huge surprise because... You know, we live in an age of serialized television. We would anticipate that they would try and tell one story over the course of, of 10 episodes. I think the most interesting thing, and there's been some conflicting information on this previously from Alex Kurtzman around whether this was planned as an ongoing series or as a limited series, but Patrick Stewart himself said there was a hope for more seasons. So, incredible Patrick Stewart potentially in for more than one season. I never thought we'd get him back in Star Trek, let alone get him on multiple seasons. Jen, how are you feeling about this? I was really pleasantly surprised when he said that, hoping for more than one season. I I, I assumed it was just going to be one and done for, for many reasons. Um, so it makes me think that whatever they have, you know, whatever ideas they have brewing are are, are going to be pretty pretty unique. I mean, and even even just the fact that they managed to, you know, lure Patrick Stewart back for more Picard means that this, it has to be something pretty, um, pretty meaty for an actor with so much experience and so, you know, to want to go back to that character because he, he doesn't have to do it. You know what I mean? This isn't, 
this isn't a um an instance where like he needs the money so he's gonna reprise his role as picard you know it's so funny it feels like we are in january of a year in which patrick stewart is about to appear on star trek for a multiple season show is this 2019 or is this 1987 i don't know anymore doesn't matter i'll take it (laughs) (laughs) yeah right exactly yeah and and like you said you know it's 2019 so it's going to be a a serialized you know show which which we figured you know but i i I think it's going to be it's got to be a deep character piece because it's not it's not going to be all action <laughs> you know pew pew shoot you know <laughs> you know with, with the uh you know the age of the star <laughs> you know, i'm hoping you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i don't think he's coming back to punch f murray abraham in the face right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's exciting it's very exciting and that's the picard news for this week and God willing, we'll have new Picard news every week because I can't get enough mm-hmm. of details about this new show. Oh, yeah. And and it said later this year, which made me really happy. Yes. And Alex Kurtzman had said, it was either this week or last week, that the plan was for it to premiere either November, December or very early next year, but wow. that they were on track to do that, which I'm super excited about Yay. because uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't wait any longer. Oh, that's wonderful. And that'll, that'll fill the void. To like, yes. if I'm assuming the idea is to eventually just have something Trek all the time. <laughs> you know? And I am very much on board for that. If there's a new Star Trek every single week, fine by me. Yes. So Star Trek was at Television Critics Association Press Junket for the year. Alex Kurtzman, Heather Caden, Anson Mount, Sonequa Martin-Green, and Ethan Peck appeared for a presentation at TCA to talk about the new season. Not a ton of new information uh, that we didn't already know. For those of you with your fingers crossed for a Star Trek Discovery Season 3 pickup, Kurtzman said that they remain very hopeful, but they did not have specific news to share on whether the show would be returning for a third season. But he did talk a little bit more about these two animated short treks that we're anticipating after the conclusion of Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Reaffirmed that the animation style will be different than the animation style that is planned for the Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks series that's forthcoming probably next year. And I announced the directors, and one of the directors really perked me up um, because it's Michael Giacchino, a huge Hollywood composer who has composed some of the biggest movies, including some of the Star Wars movies, and who uh, scored the three Kelvin Timeline movies, will be dabbling in the Prime Timeline as the director for one of these animated short treks, which is crazy. The second director will be Olatundi Samni, who also directed last night's Point of Light. Super exciting. Jen, what are you hoping for out of these two short treks? Yeah, I'm pretty much obsessed with the short treks. I love the entire concept. I love, you know, I was really into the idea of the Trek anthology series um, that, you know, was floated around, you know, when Brian Fuller was still involved. And and, and that really, that idea really excited me. So I think we're kind of getting little snippets of of that, um, which makes me super happy. But uh, it's interesting that they say that it's all different animation styles. So now we have four different animated things coming. (laughs) <laughs> so at least four different animation styles. So it's kind of interesting to, you know, think about what that could mean. I'm picturing Lower Decks kind of like a Futurama mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and this one, I, I mean, you have such a talented composer. You think maybe there's, this is like music only 
or something like that, you know, like a sorcerer's apprentice or something like oh, that. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought about that, but that would be perfect, right? Like a non-verbal. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great idea. I mean, there's so many different options that like you know when you're playing around with animation like that so well i've sort of been hoping that because as you say four different animation styles two short tracks one show that's been confirmed one show that kurtzman has said almost certainly is coming and i'm sort of hoping that you know they go a little bit artsy with some of this stuff yeah like calypso was for the first four short tracks the three out of four were kind of fairly traditional and calypso was 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 really quite out there which you know worked for a lot of people more more a high concept exactly yeah yeah. so if you're playing in the animation space and if you have an oscar-winning composer directing one of them I would love some kind of Fantasia-esque Star Trek short track. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm totally with you there. Yeah. Fantasia. Yeah. Sorcerer's Apprentice. And, and this. Yeah. And there's so many. Like you know, I, I think Lower Decks is supposed to be like a comedy. That you know. So I guess, like I said, Futurama. But I'm also hoping like we see um, maybe with the other short track something more like Batman the Animated Series was. That's that's probably my favorite animation thing. Like a little, so a little bit more like a film noir, adult drama kind of thing which would be cool. Um, as far as the, the one that they've announced that's going to be more for younger people, or it hasn't, like you said, hasn't been <laughs> actually announced yet, but the one that's most likely. I really like some of the things that like Netflix has been doing with their animation, children's animation, specifically uh, She-Ra and um, the Carmen, new Carmen Sandiego that they've done. Like, um, I, I really hope they, they do something more in, in that vein, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that style with, you know, like the hopeful, you know, st- like, oh, it's just so like the Netflix ones that they've been doing have been have a hopeful message just like Star Trek does, you know, such a, like, like an, an empowering, hopeful. And I, I, I'm really, I'm actually super looking forward to that, to do the, uh, <laughs> the one that's supposed to be for children, which is weird. <laughs> but No, I'm super excited for it too. I mean, not just because I, I'm really interested to see how they do something like that, but also because yeah. of, and, and I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when the news first broke, actually on my first episode with, uh, with our good friend, Mr. Trek Ranks himself, I talked about how I was really excited about what it meant for growing that next generation of, uh, pun intended, yes. of, of fandom. <laughs> Those rascals. Those ra- yeah, right. <laughs> hey, someone's got to watch this stuff uh, after we have shuffled off the mortal coil. Because I want to be watching new Star Trek for the rest of my days. Exactly. Same, same. So we got to involve the next generation. It's something that appeals to them. <laughs> so something fun this week. Uh, well, something fun this week and next week. We have uh, two shows that are sort of Star Trek Discovery advertising tie-ins. A Star Trek themed episode of Let's Make a Deal, which premieres next week and has a number of familiar faces in it. <laughs> and uh, an episode of uh, Carpool Karaoke. Uh, which is available today on Apple devices through the through the iTunes store. I'm super exciting that uh, CBS is doing uh, more uh, promotion for the show. The uh, folks on Let's Make a Deal look like they had a fabulous time. Uh, I've not seen the whole carpool karaoke yet. I've only been able to see a clip, but uh, listening to Anthony Rapp sing uh, Major Tom uh, with Sneakers <laughs> Martin Green, Doug Jones, and Mary Wiseman, 
uh, was a real treat. Jen, do you think you'll be watching either of these two? Oh yeah, I'll I'll check out both for sure. I mean, those those four are they're such gems. Oh, I would watch them read the phone book. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Especially yeah, like a chance to get to hear Anthony Rapp saying is always a joy. Yeah, and let's make a deal. I've n- I've never seen it, but it <laughs> it looks like fun. You know, like you said, so, you know, in some of the stills, I've seen some familiar faces. So maybe they'll even you know, be contestants, who knows. But I, I love it anytime Trek goes mainstream like this, you know, any anytime like normies <laughs> will see anything, you know, something Trek, you know, makes me happy. So it's it's always fun. And Wayne Brady looks fabulous in a in a in an uh. original series. <laughs> gold command tunic i must say uh, everyone everyone in that audience those still pictures i saw so you know or it, it's a, it looks like a fun fun atmosphere and and uh and our chancellor yes mary chipo also makes an appearance that's right or mother as we call it. oh mother yes <laughs> so a few familiar faces i know for anybody who attends uh, the Star Trek Las Vegas convention uh, you will see a lot of very familiar faces and then from the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network, two of our hosts are in the audience. The aforementioned Jim Morehouse, Mr. Trek Ranks himself, and the host of Trek Profiles, John Krikorian, who uh, has not told us what his role in the episode will be. He has not appeared in any of the stills. But if I were a betting man, I would say that I think we might be seeing a little more of Mr. Krikorian uh, when the episode airs, just from some of the very the subtle and not so subtle tweets that he's been sending over the last few weeks should be fun it will be very can't wait (laughs) so it wouldn't be star trek without merchandise and uh, i think this is my first episode in which we've had merchandise announcements so uh super excited two uh merchandise announcements this week to talk about the first is uh, QMX are continuing their line of Star Trek badges with the uh, USS Enterprise badges as seen in the Star Trek Discovery Season 2 premiere, Brother. These will be available in all three division styles. They're the same type of badge as uh, the Discovery badges, the really strong magnet, uh, which I have one of the Discovery ones. I've worn it. The thing stays in place. It does not move. It's 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 a very, very powerful magnet. These look really cool, just like the Discovery badges. If you've seen one of them, you know how great they are. Jen, will you be picking up an Enterprise QMX badge? <laughs> I, I, I have a couple of badges from them, and you're right. Those magnets are amazing. They're they're really strong, and, and they look wonderful. I, I'm set for now, but... <laughs> Maybe in the future. The one I have that I really like by them is is the uh, I have the Section Thirty One badge. I do. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> it's so sleek. It's very I love cool. It. I I don't care that they shouldn't have badges. I really don't. No, <laughs> I don't care so... either. Um, I, actually, my theory this week is on Section Thirty One and Ooh. why people shouldn't care about the fact that they seem to be more public than they are. But we'll get to that. Oh, good. And then the second announcement. Uh, so in the episode last night. Uh, we saw a new variation on the disco t-shirt, the ever popular <laughs> disco t-shirt, a command training program version worn by Mary Wiseman, who plays Tilly, and Star StarTrek.com, uh, who have taken every opportunity for a product tie-in uh, that the episodes provide them, already have for sale both a men and women's version of the t-shirt and then a mug and a cap that has the command training program logo on it. 
Uh, I now have two of the Disco t-shirts and one from Star Trek.com and another from Anovos. And I am trying to convince myself that I don't need a third, but we'll see how that goes. Jen, are you much of a, do you have any Star Trek t-shirts? I have an embarrassing amount of pop culture t-shirts for a woman who is 40 years old. (laughs) And and the vast majority of them are Star Trek related. Yeah. That is the correct answer. And, and you know, when, when they first showed in an episode, that disco t-shirt, I I'm like, Ooh, those jerks are marketing to, to my face. Like what jerks, but then, but then, yeah, okay, I have a dis- yeah. disco t-shirt. I do. <laughs> we were all worn down and gave in. We all gave in eventually. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so but this one, it was it was funny. I got an email, you know, the Star Trek.com email before the episode aired. It's like, oh, check this out on screen tonight, you know. <laughs> like I so it's like, oh, okay. So now you're marketing marketing to me before I even see it on screen. <laughs> you know, it's like, damn you guys. No spoilers, Star Trek.com. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. It's like, oh, so now I know there's, oh, and then, you know, it's like, okay, t- you know, CTP, command training program. Okay. <laughs> but but I'm good for now. Like, like you said, I'm trying to uh, limit buying things to, to, uh, to shirts and, and merchandise that really excite me. So <laughs> as my wife reminds me, there are only so many days out of the month that I could possibly wear all this stuff. So why keep adding more of it? Exactly. <laughs> Do I really need any more t-shirts? No. Do I want more t-shirts? Yeah. <laughs> And the want that normally wins out over the needs. <laughs> right, exactly. So our last story for tonight is something super cool. Up on StarTrek.com, the executive producer for Star Trek Discovery and the director of last night's episode, Point of Light, Olotande Samni, has posted an article about his experience of directing uh, the episode, including a look behind the scenes on how episodes are staged, There's a cool little video about how the Discovery Transporter Room, which had been converted into the Hiawatha Transporter Room for the season premiere, was converted back again into the Discovery Transporter Room. Pictures of the sets, you know, without the green screen being up. There's a fabulous picture of him and Kenneth Mitchell in the new uh, hairy Klingon makeup um, as Cole Shaw. Um, And it was just really nice to kind of see sort of what the process is to put together some of these episodes. Uh, Olatande is clearly having an amazing time in his position on Discovery. Um, if you don't follow him on Twitter, he's at Center Will Hold, and every week he's been posting behind-the-scenes pictures that have given us new insights into the episode. Jen, what did you think about the episode last night? Were you a fan, and how do you feel about these uh, hairy Klingons? I gotta say right now, the, the Klingon changes, just that's just something that doesn't bother me at all. Like I, you know, I, I feel like I feel like makeup is 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 an art, and if they want to, you know, change it a little or or play with it, then that's that's fine with me, quite honestly. Um, but as far as what I I personally prefer, I, I do like my Klingons hairy, so it was nice to see. <laughs> was nice to see, yeah. The uh, the Kenneth Mitchell makeup. Oh, I love him so much. It is perfect. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, you could stand him next to any of the Klingons from the 1990s Rick Berman era Star Trek and he would fit in perfectly. Oh yeah. It, it had a very blood oath feel to him, you know, like old Klingon, you know? Yeah. Which I like, and I love him. And I, I was really sad, legit sad that he died, even though he was an awful, you know, person, yeah, right. you know, but it's like, no, we got, yeah, you know, Ken, Kenneth Mitchell again. And now he's gone again. <laughs> you 
Well, I'm hoping he becomes the uh, Jeffrey Combs of Star Trek Discovery and they'll find a, a new role for him next season. I hope so, because he's wonderful. He's delightful. But then again, I hope I hope Jeffrey Combs can become the Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> yes, I am also 100% pulling Where for Jeffrey he? Combs to make an appearance <laughs> in one of these shows. And, yes. and maybe, you know, with the Picard show being filmed in Los Angeles, oh, yeah, yeah. there are more opportunities for actors from the previous shows to, to make an appearance. Yeah, that would be wonderful. All right, so that's it for the news. And now it's time to turn to the fun part. You make some very good points, Captain but it's still all speculation and theory. Every week, I and my guests provide some uh, speculation or theory or wish fulfillment about what we want to see coming in the future of either Discovery, the franchise as a whole, merchandise. So, Jen, let me hear your theory for this week. Okay, uh, we're going to talk about the short treks again. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with the short treks. <laughs> but the one, uh, well, I have a wish and a theory. Okay, let's do it. Well, because the, the one wish um, was we, we talked on on Twitter on Twitter this week. Um, so I, I think some people agreed with me uh, about this one. Um, got a lot of good responses. Uh, I mentioned that with the Picard series, it would be nice to do some short treks that were character pieces mm-hmm. of you know minor characters that that were involved in Next Generation that you know, would kind of clutter up the Picard show. You know, you don't want the Picard show to just be an endless cameo of, of characters because it would be distracting, even though, you know, you want to see them all. So maybe if you give some of them, their, you know, a short track, that would be an interesting way to, to, to tie it together with the Picard show. And we got a lot, of, I got a lot of great responses to that of who people would want to see. Did you put together a list? I did, I did. So who was on your list? So I I, ha- I had um, Vosh, I had Ro. I don't know how far you want me to get into the weeds with my ideas for these. <laughs> no, let's do it. Okay, because I had mentioned the Carmen Sandiego show on Netflix that they had done, and they, they made it so she's a criminal, but she steals from other criminals and returns the things back where they belong. So like Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that would be an interesting way to kind of redeem Vash. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of have her still be a criminal, but maybe have her steal these treasures and return them back to the worlds that they were plundered from. You know, maybe towards the, you know, as she's getting a little bit older, maybe she kind of, you know, wants to, you know, make up for some of <laughs> some of the uh, her thieving ways, you know, uh, which I thought that would be an interesting thing. Uh, I had Roe... Um, because Rose, there a lot of people said Ro because she's obviously amazing. And anytime you can get Michelle Forbes back to Star Trek, right? You should take it. Absolutely, she's incredible. I also wanted to see what Wesley and the Traveler did. Oh, I like that one. Uh, I thought that'd be good. Um, and then my my last idea was um, the crystalline entity species. I find oh yeah endlessly fascinating. <laughs> and that one, I I was thinking just like just them, like no people, no, you know what I mean, like like just the species. We are continuing the high art yeah. <laughs> idea. <laughs> I think you know, yeah, because when you can play, you can play with it. If you're just you know, if it's just 15 minutes, you can play with all these things. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, there were votes for you know, obviously, like the big ones, like Hugh and Guinan. Like these are characters that I would want to make. Like I want to see Guinan in the Picard series. Like I want her <laughs> so bad in there. But there were votes, uh, a lot of votes for Tom Riker, and then like l- like characters like 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 Mott the Barber got some <laughs> votes and Mott the Cat, you know. And <laughs> but I mean, it's it's but it's fun to think about, you know, all those different characters that even even the really small characters like were 
were so loved, you know, and that we'd like to see more of, of them. So that that was my wish. But as far as the, I did have a theory about Short Trek. Go for it. Um, <laughs> my theory is that uh, we, we kind of know that Brightest Star is obviously going to be referenced or be, a, you know, be a part of the, you know, Discovery show in some way. We've already, I mean, he already mentioned his sister. So um, that's definitely going to come up again. But I think another one that we've seen is going to factor in Discovery. And I think that's Calypso. Oh, interesting. Tell me more. So Discovery is going to have time travel at some point. Because, yeah, I mean, they've already had a time loop episode, but but I mean, they're they're going to do time travel. It's, it seems like they're, they're, they want to do everything <laughs> that, you know, Star Trek has done. And I think they might be setting themselves up pretty good with Calypso, with this character of Zora, who is fascinating to me. You know, like I, I feel very close to the discovery now, <laughs> you know, that I feel like I know her personally. Um, but what I think, my theory is that, so Kraft's enemy likes Betty Boop cartoons. Yes, the Vidrash. Yeah, I thought that that meant his, his enemy was the Federation. Yes. Who, who else would like, you know, Betty Boop cartoons besides like Federation nerds? And Michael Chabon said something about how the Vidrash was the sort of thousand year later version of the Federation. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. But my, my theory, well, well, like maybe his enemy is temporal agents because, te- you know, like had some oh, kind of. Oh, yeah. Temp- that's great. I love that. They would be, you know, they would like something weird like Betty Boop cartoons too. So if there's a temporal component to that war, um, you could kind of see how they might, you know, be able to tie it in. I think Zora says that she was told to hold her position. Mm-hmm. That's not something that they would like say if she was just like abandoned, like if they were just like abandoning. She- so my my theory is that they're going to um, Marvin the paranoid android uh, Zora. <laughs> if you know what I mean by that, I don't know if you've read the Hitchhiker's Guide the Galaxy. He basically what happens to him it, the, that android is he gets abandoned on a planet. By the humans, and then they time travel to the future and pick him up later. So for them, not too much time has gone by, but for the android, you know, like billions of years have gone by. I love that. You know what I mean? So I think maybe eventually, hopefully, we might get Zora as a character. You know, they might like they might like time travel to the thirty third century and pick her up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then maybe we'll have her as a as a character, which I would love because she's amazing. That would be super interesting, having the ship be its own be its own kind of thing and its own character. Yeah. And yeah. also, you know, eventually we know they're going to have to find a way of offing the spore drive so that it doesn't appear in the right, 20th century. Right. So, uh, yeah, that might, be a, that might be a really cool way of doing it. I also like Michael Chabon. He talked about how um, one of the things he would love to do is because the craft story is loosely based on the Odyssey. Yes. Uh, or at least a piece of the Odyssey and how he wanted to do more short treks that were... The, rema- the rest of the Odyssey told in this thousand years later uh, setting. And I think that'd be really cool. That sounds beautiful. My theory this week is around Section 31. Um, and there's been a lot of conversation online about how a lot of fans are concerned that there's so much public knowledge about what Section 31 is. You know, given that when we saw it in the 24th century, it seemed to be much more of a secretive organization that if they didn't tell you they existed, you didn't know about it. And I think that certainly is the case in the 24th century. And that seemed to be the case in the 22nd century when we encountered them in Enterprise. But my theory is that at some point between Enterprise and Discovery, the organization was sort of semi-formalized 
within the Starfleet kind of structure to the point that not everybody knows about it, but it's much more common knowledge and they're much more of a formal organization. And then I think the Section 31 show is going to tell us the story about how they move away from having a badge and a uniform to being totally outside of the law as far as the Federation is concerned and not being at all quasi part of the structure. There is this really interesting comment that Cisco makes in one of the first Section 31 episodes where they talk about how it's a secret organization and Cisco says something like, well, it's a bit more complicated than that. I'm hopeful that that this is going to be part of the explanation and that the Giorgio show is going to be her kind of taking this organization in a totally radical, off the books, outside the law direction, which is how it remains for the two centuries until we get to Deep Space Nine. What do you think about that? I, I think that's a wonderful theory. And I, I, I think you can easily see how uh, George U would um, take them off the rails <laughs> pretty, pretty quickly. Um, you could see how, you know, maybe they do something that's so bad that they decide to disband Section 31, but then don't, you know what I mean? Like secretly don't. So, and then that's the Section 31 that we know, you know, just this this legendary, or not even, you know, most people don't even, haven't even heard of it. Uh, I think that's a great theory. And I I think that could happen. I I, I think, yeah, because right now it seems more like, more of like a CIA kind of thing. Whereas like, like the CIA does a lot of evil stuff. (laughs) But for some reason, you know what I mean? (laughs) But they're still, and and a lot of their stuff is classified, but there's, we still know they they exist, you know? (laughs) It seems more like that along the lines and you can totally see. I I like your idea of how they could evolve into something a little bit different. I I, I really enjoy Section 31. I'm a Section 31 apologist, not in what they do, but as a as a plot device i find them very interesting as like i don't even want to say villain but as a as like a because i I think of them kind of like the maquis Mm -hmm. and that you know the maquis is bad but are they really like you know like sometimes you know what i mean like their their methods might be flawed but their objectives might align with the federation a lot and and in this case they are part of the Federation. So it'll be interesting to see in Discovery and in the Section 31 show how they deal with the fact that that these people have the, sa- the exact same objectives as the good guy, the quote-unquote good guys in Starfleet. So there's a lot to, to uh, dig into with that theme. Yeah, Section 31 to me has always been a really great story tool for challenging the very ideas of Starfleet and at the Federation and of 24th century evolved humanity. And what I find really interesting about Star Trek is... Yes, we are a more evolved version of ourselves, but also testing that and pushing the buttons and seeing if that's always true under all circumstances and what would it take for that not to be true. And if we just sort of say, yes, we're evolved and and this is how we are now, there's something I, I feel inherently less interesting about that than there is about constantly making sure that we're showing that this that this evolved state of humanity was earned, that it wasn't given, right. that we got here through really hard work and that it takes really hard work to maintain it. Yeah, and I can't remember the exact quote, but it's in, it's in one of the DS9 episodes where, the, you know, it talks about, you know, every, you know, the Federation likes to, you know, wag their finger at Section 31 until they need, basically until they need their dirty work done, 
you know, and then they're, they're fine looking the other way while, you know, <laughs> while section 31 gets their hands dirty, you know, and then they can, they, I, I mean, that's the theme that gets explored a lot on an individual level in, in, in Star Trek, you know, in the pale moonlight, even like two, something like Tuvix, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, Janeway does something really, she arguably murders somebody, <laughs> you know, but when is that like, like some people would, you know, argue that that was justified. Is it justified because she loves tu- Tuvok? Is it just, you know what I mean? Would it be justified if it was like, you know, your child, you know what I mean? Like, like, where do you draw the line personally? Right, right, right. And Section 31 is just the, the organization version of where, you, where do you draw the line, you know, <laughs> so, or, you know, in, in society between good and bad. There's an endless amount of interesting things they could do with Section 31. And we are getting a whole show and I couldn't be Yay. more excited. Yay. <laughs> all right. So that's all we've got time for on this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest, Jen Tift, for joining me today. Jen, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter, um, at eat at Quarks. Uh, and also um, you can find uh, my podcast at SnapTrek. Uh, and please do um, t- you know, contact me. And I love talking all things Trek. Thank you. And send Jen your list of four 24th century short Trek characters and you can find mine buried in there too and uh, any kind of yeah any short track ideas i'm just that's i just love that forum so cool you can find this show on twitter at weekly trek and me at alexander t perry and if you enjoy the show please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice and please check out some of the other great shows on the tricorder transmissions if you like our shows please also consider becoming a patreon of tricorder which you can find at patreon.com slash the tricorder transmissions and lastly if you're looking for star trek news on the internet i hope you will turn to trekcore.com well thank you jen thank you to all of my listeners and until next week live long and prosper